All right. Mike Macknick, John Leahy with you. End of the second period of the Hockey's Championship game in Boston. It's 2-2, and here is Mike McMahon joining us uh, for the second intermission. And let's talk about what's going on around the country, Mike. Uh, first of all, uh, I guess it would make sense to start off by taking a look at the national scoreboard. Michigan has defeated Notre Dame 4-2 in the CCHA consolation. Dartmouth has defeated Colgate 5-3 in the ECAC consolation. So all the third-place games are done. It's now just conference title games from here on out. And uh, most of these games are over or, or in the second period or uh, getting close to that point. So uh, here it's 2-2, two two, Merrimack and BC. Elsewhere, Air Force leads RIT 1-0 at the start of the third, and that's really for the 16th slot in the period in, in the uh, rather in the tournament. Uh, Denver won North Dakota nothing in the first. You've got Yale leading Cornell now 4 nothing in the second period. So it looks like uh, Yale's going to win that. Cornell would have gotten in as the, you know, with the automatic bid, and that looks unlikely at this point. And Miami is defeating Western Michigan 2 nothing. So uh, favorites uh, winning except for this game, which is tied. Uh, and Denver, and it doesn't really matter who the favorite is in the Air Force RIT game. But uh, one projection at least uh, as we take a look. Uh, Adam Woden over at College Hockey News had a, a projection that would have had Merrimack going to St. Louis as the sixth seed. And that was assuming, again, that the favorites won all the games, which would mean that BC would pull this one out in the third period. And that would have Merrimack in St. Louis uh, as the sixth seed to play number 11 Notre Dame. And Boston College would also be in St. Louis as the three seed, playing number 14 Colorado College. Very interesting, as it could be a rematch of the of today's Hockey East Championship game. Yeah, you know, that'd be a shame for BC to have to go out west, only because UNH drops to a four seed. Uh, UNH stuck in Manchester by virtue of hosting the tournament. They're not going to move anywhere. So uh, it, it would be interesting to see what happened there. You know, I, I hadn't read Adam's stuff yet, but, uh, you know, looking at that bracket, you could potentially be, you know, a week from tonight back here with these same two teams uh, potentially trying to decide who's going to go to the Frozen Four. And things line up pretty good with that bracket in terms of keeping the bracket integrity. Um, you know, the only question, I suppose, would be as you take a look at where teams normally would go and how they beat New York. Normally, you're going to put the teams, the top four seats closest to home. The problem, as you mentioned, is if you put Boston College, when it, when it comes to them, as the three seed overall, uh, and they would have to go as, as, as normally, number one, Yale would go to Bridgeport, the closest one to them, and of course they are the host, so that would go. they would go to Bridgeport. Number two, North Dakota would go to Green Bay, which is closest to them. Number three, BC, normally would go to Manchester, which is closest to them, and I think what, what Adam chose to do here was move the entire bracket. Yeah. So you have the, normally you would have, if you didn't worry about UNH being the host, then they would end up out west. Uh, but he moved the entire bracket of BC, Colorado College, Merrimack, and Notre Dame out to St. Louis. That makes that makes sense to me. It'll be interesting to see if the results hold and and if the the rankings end up that way. What the committee does. You know, it was actually I was just going to ask you this. Obviously, BC and, and UNH being in the same conference can't meet in the first round, uh, which would be why BC would be in St. Louis. But I wonder in that scenario, do they take potentially take Michigan and Merrimack and flip them? They'd still both be a two seed. You keep Merrimack closer to home in Manchester. You put Michigan a little closer to home in St. Louis. Uh, you know, and they're only one spot off each other. It's not like you're talking flipping the, the highest number two seed with the lowest number two seed. It'd be the, it's the, the, the top two number twos. So maybe that could potentially flip as well. And, of course, it all depends uh, still on what, what happens in some of these title games. You know, the big question for me is going to be attendance. I think some, some regionals don't seem to have attendance issues. I think St. Louis, it almost seems like whatever happens, they could have attendance issues. Yeah. But... but Looking at a regional that would have BC, Colorado College, Merrimack, and Notre Dame, I mean, that place could be empty. Yeah, you know, I, I know Notre Dame travels 
pretty well for other sports. I'm not sure how they're traveling for hockey. Uh, you know, Boston College tra- Boston College fans traveling up to St. Louis is going to be tough. Uh, you know, same thing with Merrimack fans. Even Colorado College is a long way away from St. Louis. But uh, no matter really who you put in there, I think that's going to be a tough regional to, to fill up. Not that, but it's being played at a star rate center with a blues play. So you got a building that holds almost 20,000 people that, you know, might only have eight or 9,000 people in there. So it's going to be a, a pretty quiet atmosphere, I think. You know what could happen if they choose to emphasize attendance over bracket integrity in this situation is uh, you could swap the Michigan-Nebraska-Omaha matchup into St. Louis with Merrimack-Notre Dame in Manchester. And this is how we've been mentioning along the way to the fans that depending on what the committee does, it is entirely possible that Merrimack would be close to home. We just don't know what's going to happen until tomorrow, but uh, you can make a case for it. And we're not privy to things like what is the attendance situation in St. Louis? I mean, I, we tend to think that it's going to be difficult because there's no team that close. But Nebraska-Omaha, I think, is the closest team, and, and so you would think the committee would want to try to get them there. Uh, and if you get Michigan there, too, there that's a team that typically travels pretty well. Uh, you put both of those teams there with that matchup, then uh, you may be able to help the attendance significantly. Yeah, the, the only one that seems to be set in stone, I think that Bridgeport bracket, uh, you know, Yale versus the winner of Air Force RIT, and then Union versus Duluth. I think it's going to be hard from some uh, projections that I ran before the game. It's going to be hard for that to change. Pretty much anything I ran came up with with that one for Bridgeport. So if you figure Bridgeport set in stone, uh, you've got Manchester, Green Bay, and St. Louis that we could, you know, come tomorrow morning at 1130, I think it is, uh, see some different combinations. We'll have to see where to go. All right, Mike. We don't really need to worry about this anymore for the next 20 minutes or so because there's a Hockey East Championship on the line. Uh, through two periods of play. First, your thoughts on uh, how this game has gone so far? You know, it reminded me a lot of the way last night's game finished, only because we come out of the first period tied 2-2, and I didn't think Merrimack had played their best, especially in the first part of the period. They turned it on late uh, and sort of scratched their way back. And, and again, you know, in the second period, they got a little better. So sort of progressing as the game is going forward is something that I thought they did last night as well against UNH. And, you know, now you have your last 20 minutes, and, and we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, overall, we're looking, we've got the uh, the, the stat uh, page here, and, and you've got power plays right now, one for four for the Warriors. They've still got a minute and 33 to start the third period. Uh, PC is 0 for 3, so penalty kills obviously been big for Merrimack. Shots are even at 26-26. Obviously, it's 2-2 on the scoreboard, but shots attempted are pretty even at 44-42 in favor of Merrimack. I mean, overall, Mike, it's, it's been a pretty evenly played game. There's been stretches where... I, certainly BC has, has dominated and shown flashes of the skill that they have but th- to be honest there's been times that Merrick's dominated play too yeah it's been back and forth and they've both had it uh, you know not really sustained enough to, to really do some damage but you've seen some one to two minutes first from, from each club that have really uh, dominated play and have you know, gotten a lot of scoring chances I know even you know, you look at the shots I think BC started the game 6 1 in shots and it was 6 6 and I think it was Merrimack you know maybe 10 7 so it sort of it was reflective upon who was controlling the game at any particular time. All right, so uh, what happens here? Third period, 20 minutes to, to the Hockey's Championship, 20 minutes to glory, as it were, if the Warriors are able to win this one. Uh, they've got a power play for a minute and a half. I think it starts there. Special teams. Special teams. I mean, if you can get a goal here early in the period, uh, not to say that you go into defensive mode and just completely uh, stop attacking because attacking is what this team has done all year, but if you can get one here early in the period and put BC on its heels a little bit, uh, I think the Warriors are in good shape. I just want to read some numbers to you here. we got ice time here. How about this one? Far and away, the, the player with the most ice time for the Warriors, Carl Stolry, nearly 20 minutes. Uh, that's about uh, half of the total game time. 
And uh, second behind him, it appears, would be, well, Ryan Flanagan's got 13 and a half. Actually, let's touch on this real quickly. If the Warriors win this one, I don't see any way that Flanagan's not the most valuable player. Absolutely not. No, we were actually just talking about him before I came in here. Uh, he's got a goal in every single tournament game. He had a goal in each of the quarterfinals last week, a goal last night, and a goal here tonight. And, uh, you know, we, we were trying to think, has that ever happened? Has there ever been a player that has a goal in every single one of, of, of the tournament games? I believe Brian Boyle may have done it. I see him call Boyle doing it in BC one year, probably back in 05 or 06. But uh, it certainly hasn't happened a lot. Yeah, I think if Barrett wins this game without question, Ryan Flanagan's in. And defensively, he's been immense. I mean, he made on that back check, breaking up that play, the the, the play that the plays that he's made on the penalty kill. I mean, he's he's had uh, so much ice time, as we mentioned. Uh, and, and on the BC side of things, uh, taking a look at who leads uh, them in ice time, and the top three defensemen are dominating time. Tommy Cross with 1544 is a guy that I've already got down there for my. Uh, the all-tournament team, I think him, he and Stolry, uh, I already had them down as, as the defensive pairing, but Flanagan has certainly got to be in the mix, of, of course, for Merrimack. I don't, like I said, I don't see how he's not the most valuable player if the Warriors win, unless I guess somebody comes up and scores that. You know, Elliot Sheen scores a couple goals in the third period. He can, he, he can get a look, but uh, uh, and, and then the goaltender is going to be tough. It might be the winning goaltender is the goaltender on the all-tournament team. Yeah, I think so. I think whoever wins this game is going to be the goalie on the all-tournament team, just because both of them uh, have been pretty close if you look at their numbers throughout the course of the tournament. John Beast and Joe Canada. So I think whoever gets gets out of here tonight with a win and get host the tro- host the trophy at the end will be the one that'll be uh, hosting the uh, all tournament team live as well. All right, Mike. Good to see you as always. I think we're done unless uh, well unless we have overtime and we may call on you again. So uh, we'll see. Good to see you as always. WarriorRinkRat.com. He's got the live blog going. So if you're not already there, well, first of all, what's wrong with you? But if you're not, then go check it out. And Eagle Tribune as well. EagleTribune.com. Hector Longo's here. I don't know if Colbert's here as well, but uh, you guys have some great coverage going on at the Eagle Tribune, so uh, thanks for being with us, Mike. Thanks, Mike.